0: We are thankful that you are here with us, fellows in the room. Good to see you guys. Uh, I know uh, this is that time of year where all the different spring breaks come into play, and uh, so we got people that are vacationing. We got people that uh, may be joining us for the first time today. Uh, you are participating in the Wednesday Bible study from the studios of the Rick and Bubba Show. Uh, we have been doing a Bible study on Wednesdays, uh, barring vacation days, for about eight years now. Uh, So uh, if you are new to the program, uh, you're you're thinking, hey, uh, this is my first Bible study. You can go back and get archives of this series. And right now we're walking through the book of Genesis. Or you can go back and find all the other series uh, by going to BurgessMinistries.com. Now you'll click on listen. And I've got good news, by the way, for one of the things I get a lot of emails about. You can go there and you can search the different series that we've been doing. You can also go to the Rick and Bubba YouTube channel. That's at rickandbubba.com. Go to the YouTube channel and you'll see the playlist. Just go to the Men's Bible Study. You can find it there. Uh, but uh, some of you have talked about when you go to burgessministries.com, because there's such a large library that, that searching specific lessons that you want as has, is difficult sometimes. Uh, and so we have uh, the manchurch.com we will be launching an app uh, that will be out this summer and we' I mean it's it's inching uh, it, there should be information about it even available next week uh, and this is going to be a great resource for you to search and find Bible studies and topics uh, you will be able to search by the topic by the book of the Bible uh, the verses and be able to go find things quickly uh, that you'd like to go back and get and there'll be all kinds of other uh, you know, content that will be provided on our app as well. So be paying attention uh, for our updates on that. If you follow us at uh, at The Man Church on Twitter and Instagram, we'll be letting you know or go to themanchurch.com and find information there too. We also have just launched uh, 40-week curriculum number three. Uh, Jesus calls us to be disciples, and he also calls us to make disciples. Uh, what does that mean? So we have a brand-new 40-week curriculum called Be Disciples, uh, it's now uh, uh, curriculum number three, and it is available to you now for your small groups or for your church. Uh, you can find that at themanchurch.com. Some things coming up that you need to know about uh, this Saturday, April the second. Uh, Sherry and I will be in Panama City, Florida. We'll be at Highland Park Baptist Church. Uh, it is a uh, uh, a little conference on marriage. When I say conference, it's really a one day. Um, you know, time together, so we have the rest of the weekend to apply what we're talking about. It'll start at four o'clock local time in Panama City, Florida. Uh, we'll do three sessions. Uh, I'll be I'll be teaching one of the sessions. Sherry will teach the second one, uh, and then at the the third session, we'll be together. We're going to be together the whole time. But uh, and we'll answer questions that you may have. You know, things you would love for us to address on biblical marriage and what the Bible says about the role of husbands and wives and mamas and daddies. So uh, if you want to come, you. Can can uh, we we have we're sold out for the actual dinner part, but all that means is you just won't get a meal. Uh, but you can still get a ticket to be there for the sessions by going to uh, uh, either RickandBubba dot com or Burgess Ministries dot com and go to April second. Uh, some things that are happening is, is, is involving us as well. Sherry uh, is on a tour for a Student Leadership University. Uh, She's talking uh, at a youth pastor summit. Southern California was this week on uh, Monday and Tuesday. Uh, Coming up next Monday and Tuesday, she'll be in Orlando, Florida, Uh, and then uh, they'll be going on to Dallas, Texas, Uh, and then at the end of April they'll be in uh, Nashville. So if you want to find those dates, go to BurgessMinistries.com. If you're a youth pastor or you, a church, would like to send your youth pastor to that summit, they cover uh, a huge uh, number of topics. Sherry has been decide, uh, assigned the topic of pain and suffering, something that a lot, you know, Satan uses to turn a lot of people away from God. So if you'd like to be part of that, you can at BurgessMinistries.com. The TheManchurch.com's got man churches coming up. Uh, April has quite a few of them. And if you go to theManchurch.com, you can find all the man church services and churches that are doing the, the man church discipleship strategy and find one near you. You can see April, May, June, they're all there. At theManchurch.com. All right, we're going to be in Genesis chapter twelve today. We're going to start at verse 10, and then we're going to finish 12 and try our best to get all of 13 in. If you want to go ahead and turn there as we pray. Lord, thank you for today. I pray that you unpack your holy word uh, and and that we apply it to our lives today. There is much to learn uh, every time we open your word. Uh, and today is no exception. So help us to hear these things and to apply them to our lives. In your holy name that we pray. Amen. All right, so let's talk about what's happening here. Now, the, the last time that we spoke, uh, we know that um, it's that great moment when Abram, uh, who, uh, who will soon be Abraham, Abram hears the Lord saying, Go, and Abram goes, and we covered all that. Uh, and uh, he tells him uh, you know, what he's going to do, the seven promises that came from God last week. We talked about that. So all these wonderful things are happening in the life of Abraham, and we're looking at him, we're like, Man, Look at the faith of Abraham, but one thing that we must always remember, and that is that um, a faith that cannot be tested cannot be trusted, uh, and 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 scriptures never silent on that. You remember, and you can find this in our archives. We we did the study of First Peter and. You know, Peter is talking to a persecuted church, and, and, and he makes that point. Nero's killing people, slaughtering people, uh, and in, uh, in First Peter, uh, he, he begins to talk to the church that suffering and difficulty, uh, and, you know, there's a lot of reasons that God allows that to happen, but one of them is to test the genuineness of your faith. We, that in, we see that in First Peter uh, verse 1, verses 6 and 7. Uh, he says that uh, your 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 faith will be tested uh, the way gold would be refined by fire. But when when gold is put in fire, that it melts, it does not survive. That that your faith, though when it's tested by fire, would actually result in the glorification of of Jesus Christ. Well, here in the Old Testament, we see God testing uh, Abram immediately. Now, one of the things you got to understand uh, in verse ten tells us famine was in the land, and all the indications are through all the different commentaries and the theologians that can be trusted uh, because they've proven they can be t- trusted. A lot of the indication is that Abraham had never faced a famine. This this was all new to him uh, because where God had him and, and God had been providing for him and he was a wealthy man, as we're going to see, and he probably really never struggled uh, with a famine. And there's no indication that in the history of the world that he had been through one before. Uh, but in this case, Uh, He needed to find food uh, for a very large group of people uh, and also flocks and and herds. Uh, This was a big operation. At this time, he still has Lot and everything Lot's got with him too, uh, and they're trying to figure all this out. So um, when you see what's happening here, one of the things that I want you to realize, look look at verse 10 and 11. So verse 10, I just gave you that. And now there was famine in the land, and here's where it kind of, Here's the first decision on this test that Abram makes. It's the wrong decision. Uh, so he's going to make more than one, unfortunately. So Abram went down to Egypt. I want you to underline that. So Abram went down to Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was severe in the land. And then I'm, then you'll see uh, 11a, when he was about to enter Egypt. So So underline that. First of all, the first mistake that we find here is what is Abram doing going to Egypt? Uh, He was not told to go to Egypt. He was told to stay where he was. And what Abram should have done is said, there's famine in the land. I'm going to stay where God told me to stay, and I'm going to have faith that he's going to provide for us. I'm I'm going to figure this out, but his first move is, uh uh-oh, famine is where God told me to go, so I'm leaving. And, and there's there's even a lot of if you look at it, you'll see things when it says that Abram went up, he, he went up when he's going where God told him to go. But notice what 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 Scripture says when he, about Egypt he went down, he 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 went down to Egypt. Egypt uh, is is the symbol of the world's system, uh, and of course also the symbol of what their former bondage. Okay, that, that God had had freed them from. So it's almost like uh, you hear Scripture talking about as a dog returns to his vomit, uh, so we return to, to sin. And Abram panics here uh, because famine has come into the land. Now, how many times in, in, in our, our application, and I want to tell you today, if you love application, we're loaded with application today, okay? Sometimes you need go, well, this is a lot of great history, but what's the application? Uh, there's a load of application today. So how many times have you been doing what you felt certain that God had called you to do, but it's not going well? And you're like, well, I know this is what God called me to. Is your attitude, if it's not going well, well, I guess I was wrong. I guess I didn't hear God, right? Or why did God call me to this? See, that's the problem that you find with the demonic forces of the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel. Uh, I mean, the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel, first of all, is from the pits of hell. Uh, but it leads to this kind of delusionment, uh, delusion. Okay, if God is good and I'm right with God, then bad things shouldn't be happening to me. If I just had more faith or if I just heard God more clear, I wouldn't be in difficulty. But we know that Scripture is full of Jesus telling us that we should expect difficulty. John sixteen thirty three is one. In, in this world you will face tribulation. We see Paul telling the church to Timothy, all who choose to live a godly life will be persecuted, will face difficulty. Uh, Peter, I just gave you that. Uh, we hear Peter even say, in this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials. So what God is doing with Abram right out of the gate is he's grieving him with the famine. Why? To test him. And Abram's failing. The good news is though that uh, that that you know this is even if we fail a test it doesn't mean that God gives up on us because we know that he didn't give up on Abram but but Abram is not passing this test. And and I think if we don't learn that's why I'm so excited about what Sherry's trying to do with these youth pastors if we don't learn about the difficulties of scripture if we don't learn that part of the life of a disciple of Jesus and part of being in God's perfect will many times does include difficulty. It includes pain and suffering. And as C.S. Lewis uh, said, pain and suffering is God's megaphone for a sleeping world. I mean, no offense, but if I look at your life and everything's going fantastic and you keep talking about how much you love God, you know what I think? Well, yeah, probably. But, but what about when, when I look and you're going through difficulty and you're even more devoted to God and you have faith that he's with you and you continue to glorify him and to serve him and to point people to him and the more things get harder for you, the more you glorify God and the more you use it to point people to God. And people look over there and they say, this person isn't acting the way I would act. They have a hope that I don't understand. And before you know it, they actually want to know where this hope comes from. And you point them right to Jesus, and uh, and and so uh, that that was the whole Job story. Was Satan saying what? Well, of course he loves you. You you never let him go through difficulty, and God says, "Well, okay, I'll allow difficulty, and he's still going to love me." Matter of fact, he, at the end of it, he's going to know me even better, and we know that he does. And what's the one thing that Job figures out through difficulty? How sinful he is. You know, he 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 started kind of figuring. He started kind of thinking. You know, if you're blameless and upright in your generation. And and here's the biggest mistake we we all make sometimes. You'll feel pretty good about yourself if you compare yourself to other people. But when you compare yourself to God, you'll find yourself quite humble. And, and, and that's what he does through this process is to make us completely dependent on him, and we get so desperate for him that we become so intimate in our relationship with him, and we get to know him so well that we know him in a way that we finally recognize how holy he is and how sinful we are. And then we're thinking, thank you for being merciful. I despise myself. That's Job. I despise myself compared to you. I feel pretty good about myself compared to the evil generation I was in. But compared to you, I don't feel too good about where I am at all. I'm in awe of you. I fear you. So thank you for the mercy. And I repent of my sin and ashes and dust. So that's what difficulty is doing. Now, right now, Abram is not seeing it this way. He's panicking. Uh, he is gone. So, so when your faith is correct in God, here's another application. Faith that is correct moves in the direction of peace and hope. But unbelief and a lack of faith moves in the direction of fear and restlessness. Warren Weesby, that's a good one. So let me say that again. Faith, the right faith, moves in a direction of peace and hope, no matter what situation it is. But a, but a, a lack of faith or unbelief will always move you in a direction to where you're restless and fearful. And right now, Abram, Abram's faith looked good when God said to go, and he went. But he's working it out. This is also sanctification. This is a test that has come, and we realize that Abram still isn't where he needs to be because this famine has made him restless. He left, and it's made him fearful. Okay, everybody got that? So let's let's follow that. So let's and now, now this this is a great one too. Are you all ready for this one line? This was a, this was a good one. And I'll, I'll, I'll do it slower for those of you that are writing and for those of you that go back and get the recording. Go back and write this down. I would take this, and I would even put it on something and put it up in your office, put it up in your somewhere. Listen to this. We are safer in famine in his will than in a palace out of his will. Oh, I'm going to say that again. We are safer in famine in his will than if we were in a palace out of his will. That's good stuff right there, men and ladies that, that are watching. I know you're watching. That's fine. We we, we that's, that's perfectly fine. So now we see that Abram has moved from trusting God to, to get him out of this famine, and here's what happens next. We're about to see it, to scheming. Now I'm going to scheme. I'm going to find some way to get myself out of this famine situation as opposed to praying for God to get me out of it. My, 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 my savviness, my talents, my, my ability to, to work this out. Watch me get out there and work this out. So he's now just, I mean, Doug, can't you just imagine our our wonderful, perfect holy father watching us act like a bunch of idiots? Watch Burgess thinks he can watch him think he can get out of the famine. Suddenly he's telling me that he loves me so much he'll go wherever I told him to go. Some difficulty is hit and now he's panicked and he thinks that I'm no good to him and he can work it out. He's the person we should put on the field, not me. Let him work it out. You ever been done that before? Oh, let me say my, one of my biggest struggles and I'm still struggling with it, but I I'm, I'm I'm not where I was. I'm not where I need to be, but I'm not where I was is this thing of I only depended on God for the worst things. I did not depend on him for the everyday stuff. I thought, well, the everyday stuff, I can do that. Of course, I found out that was not necessarily true, uh, that I really needed God for for every step I took. And when he allowed me to suffer, I got down to the point, as many of you know, to where I was sitting in a chair, Mister Mr. Hey, I got this. And I'm sitting in a chair when he took me through the difficulty that was so bad that I had no hope of, of dealing with it, and I remember that moment, and some of you have heard me say this before, but if you haven't, it's, it's worth hearing, to where I was reaching down to tie my shoes and couldn't tie them. I mean, how how does a guy that that says, hey, whatever I face I can handle now can't tie his own shoes? I mean, I would literally reach down to time to try to go back to work and I couldn't do it. And, and I just thought to myself, how in the world? This is the idiotic statement I made. I guess I'm done. I mean, you expect me to go back and start doing this show again after burying my son, and I can't even tie my shoes? Look how pathetic I am. I am unworthy to do it. I cannot accomplish it. And God was saying, exactly, finally. Now watch what I'm going to do. Because your problem's never been that you weren't strong enough. I mean, that, that, that actually was a detriment. Your problem is you've never been weak enough, and now I have made you so weak, you're asking for help to tie your shoes. Now I can use you. We finally have had a funeral for Rick. He's finally dead, so I'll be alive. I didn't like this sharing with you. You drive it. Just let me drive. Just just submit to my authority and have faith in me, and when you're weak, then I'll make you strong. And he uses suffering to get us there, doesn't he? We all know that. Shake your head if you know that. If you don't know that, it's coming. It, it, he loves you so much. Listen to me, brothers. Listen to me loud and clear. Whoever may be watching, if you're not there yet, your Father in Heaven loves you so much, He's going to break you. So just go ahead and do it. Don't 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 make Him go to that playbook. He loves you enough to do it. Just go ahead now and say, I'm in. And and I am weak, but you are strong. I leave faith in myself. I leave the, my authority. I belong to you. Period. And as long as I am in you, that's fine. Even in a famine, because I know you're gonna come through. You always do. And if I die, that was your plan to bring me to you. He's not gonna get it wrong. And when we jump in there and start saying, you know, you, you ever, you ever had, an, have you ever had something that you have been gifted at? You have some expertise on it, and all of a sudden some idiot walks up to you and starts trying to tell you how to do it, and he doesn't have the expertise that you have. You know how, you, doesn't it make you, don't they come across as real stupid to you? How stupid do we look to God and we say, well, we think we know how to do it better than you? Really? Do You remember the speech to Job? So you can tell the water where to stop. Well, no, I can't. Well, I can. So look at this horse. So you can make one of those? No, I. Oh, okay, so are you still going to come in here and tell me and question me on what I'm doing? You think you can do this better than me? His resume is impressive, and we see it in the Book of Job. Compared to us, we're going to tell God what to do. So, um, we see what happens next. So now he he moves from being confident, and he 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 moves from caring about God and caring about others. This move that Abram does next, guess who he cares about now? himself. Listen to what happens next. This is a shocking thing that happens, but it, but it does happen. So in the rest of 11, when he was about to enter Egypt, we covered that. Now here's the rest of 11. He said to Sari, his wife, I know that you are a woman, beautiful in appearance, 12, And when the Egyptians see you, they will say this is his wife, which, by the way, she was. Okay? But remember me telling you about the fact that she's his half-sister too? Have you you ever told a lie about something and it had a little bit of truth in it so you didn't really think you were lying? All right, so here's what happens next. Then they will kill me, but they will let you live. Verse 13. Say you are my sister that it may go well with who? Me. Not that it may go well with God. Not that it may go well with you. Sweetheart, let them, if you go to them, they'll take care of you. And I'm worried about you. I hope it goes well with you. He's not even covering up well, why he's scheming like this. It's all about me. I don't even know what's going to happen to you when they take you. Okay? But I know that if it's if you say you're my wife, they they're going to take you for sure, and then they're going to kill me. If I if and they may still take you if you say you're my my sister, but I'll be great. It'll it, it'll all be good for me. So first of all, and this is raise your hand in here if you're a husband. Okay. So those of you that that either are a husband or desire to be a husband, here's the part about this. That I never really thought about till I was preparing for this lesson. A husband that's out of the will of God can bring untold trouble to his wife and children. And what's happening here, step one, this husband, Abram, should have never brought his wife to Egypt. You see how quick he goes now, look, we probably gonna have trouble with the Egyptians. Well, he knows. He knows that if he brings a beautiful woman into the, the land, to a land of Pharaoh, that Pharaoh or some representatives of Pharaoh may just walk up and say, we're going to take her to Pharaoh. He knows it. And he took her there anyway. And then start scheming a plan saying, no, look, this is going to be our plan. Let's do this so it goes well with me so they don't hurt me. What a coward. So, so, So think about that. Think about the fact that, and that's another thing you can underline or write down, a husband out of the will of God can bring untold trouble to his wife and children. You remember our study of Acts, Ananias, and Sapphira? Remember that one? That didn't go well. Yeah, so so like that was where we got that, that uh, convicting truth, what sins are we teaching our wives to love? What sin are we making sure our wives participate in? So remember this too—that he is—he's—he's he's talking about um, what is going to happen next, and we know what happens next, don't we? So fourteen, when Abram entered Egypt, the Egyptians saw that the woman was very beautiful, so he he called that, and. Um, I I love, too, that Abraham, the second part above me, when he says that it may go well with me because of you and that my life may be spared for your sake. (laughs) Hey, it's not going to be good for you if they kill me. Uh, But what if they just decide to take me as your sister? Well, you know, at least I'll be alive and that's going to be good for you at some point. How many times have we ever justified saving our own lives? Hey, it's good, hey. I don't need I don't need to sacrifice my life for y'all because y'all don't need me to be gone. And again, that somehow Abraham being there is better for, for Sarah. And he and if he lies and schemes and sins, that, that that's any way that's going to serve her. But anyway, we see quickly that uh, that it, it it goes south. Uh, Fifteen and when and when the princes of Pharaoh saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh, and the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. All right, so the sister thing. All it did was help Abraham. It didn't help Sarah any. She's still gone. And now Pharaoh thinks he's getting a woman that's not married to anybody. How do you think that's going to go? So, and the woman was taken to Pharaoh's house, verse 16, and for her sake he dealt well with Abram. That's kind of what Abram was counting on. Okay. Uh, Now keep in mind, Abram's getting He's getting treated great by the Egyptians because he just gave the Pharaoh a beautiful woman. That's his wife, by the way. Who do you think he is? Will Smith? I mean, I mean, this is so. I mean, this is this is the. I mean, this is the 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 whole. By the way, I, I've been I've been holding that back, and, and it just it just came out. But anyway, so uh, what a what a couple of weirdos. But anyway, so um, so and 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 look, look, Pharaoh starts giving Abram what he came for, food. I mean, he starts giving him sheep and oxen and male donkeys and male servants, female servants, underline female servants. I got something to say on that one. Female donkeys and camels. But then look what happens in in, in 17. But the Lord afflicted Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sari, Abram's wife. Now go back to the seven promises last week. This is good. What was one of the seven promises? And what was one of the charges that he gave to Abraham? that you be a blessing to the nations. Well, he's brought plagues on this nation. His disobedience has now brought plagues on Pharaoh's house. He he hasn't treated the Egyptians very well. He's actually brought plagues instead of blessings. How many times has our sin brought plagues on people versus blessings? See, sin always matters. And sin is never personal. How many times have you ever you, ever, you ever justified that? Well, it ain't gonna affect nobody but me. No, it it always affects everybody. Did hey, did Adam's sin affect you at all? It it does me. I'm sitting here dying because of Adam. Okay? I mean, my feet hurt, my joints hurt, my my beard's getting gray. My blood pressure came for some reasons up. I never had high blood pressure before. I'm I went from never being on the medication in my life. I bet I take five before I go to bed now. That's all on that's on Adam. I mean, I mean, because I'm dying, my body is withering away. And and so sin always matters. And when the when the man brings sin into the life of everyone, it affects everybody. Right? That's the reason why I keep trying to tell, and, and we're doing this trying to help these youth pastors, every youth pastor will tell you the same thing, and which is be why the Western church decided this strategy of go get the children. Reach the children, then you reach the mom, then you'll reach the dad. You reach the family through the children. No, you don't. No, you don't. You can have the greatest children's program on the planet, and you should have a great children's program. But if you send that child back into a house of a, with a dad and a husband that's out of the will of God, he'll destroy everything you did. You better go get him, and you better start there. Because if you got an ungodly dad and a dad that's out of God's will inside that house, everybody you send in there, he's going to mess up. So if you get him, you're going to find that your women's ministry your youth ministry and your children's ministry goes really well. Because he's confirming everything that you're teaching. He's not in conflict with it. You I don't know who came up with that strategy, but whoever it was, you were deceived by the devil because it has wrecked the Western Church. And uh and 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 we gotta do something to adjust it. Why don't we keep doing I remember somebody somebody actually said that I heard it the other day. Well, you know you. The children's ministry. If you reach the children, you you get the whole family. And I'm sitting in the out there going, "No, you don't." Everywhere I go, they tell me the men are not involved to any high degree. So obviously that didn't work. We didn't get the whole family. We don't have a dad. And then and then he wrecks everything we've done. So no, that that really hasn't worked. You, just because somebody says something, you have to actually say, "Well, is that true?" If that was true, men's ministry, themanchurch.com would have never had to be created. Steve's in here. No, God would not have had to tell Steve Grissett to come up to me and say, hey, this thing we're doing in our church, we've got to take this to the nation. He wouldn't have done that. You know why? It wouldn't have been needed. So, so if men's ministry in church, in most churches, is non existent or terrible, saying that you reach the whole family through children just isn't true. Or it would have worked. So, so we changed that strategy, and you see right here, you, you, you see what this husband is doing. Because of Abram's disobedience, he brought judgment on Pharaoh's house. So our sin will always cause problems for people other than us. Let me tell you something. When I was, when I was a man that was, I wasn't redeemed, and I was living my life, let me tell you something. I was a rolling storm. Uh, Some of my friends referred to me. They'd say things. They'd come somewhere and say, Hurricane Rick's been here. And and, I mean, that was literally it. I mean, everywhere I went, I caused damage. It didn't just affect me. I messed up a a lot of people. And there are some people, sadly, and I I repent of this, and I'm so sorry. I have done the best job I can if I can find people, and I'll go back and apologize to them. And I say, I'm sorry for the man I was. And, and, in, and in a lot of cases, they are wonderful and gracious, and they offer forgiveness. But there have absolutely been people that say, I'm paraphrasing, but this was their response, what it meant, too much damage. I mean, if you're claiming something, and I certainly hope, but if you think I'm going to hear about Jesus from you, ain't no way. Go somewhere else. I do not forgive you. Too much damage. So it, it, it doesn't always work out on this side of, of heaven. And we're going to see this uh, some cases of this. but so it it, it, does, it affects other people. It always will, it always has. So it's incredibly important. So if you look though, at verses 18 through 20, you see what? Grace. God's still going to get him out of it, which is, which is really, really wonderful. So Pharaoh calls Abram and says, what is this you have done to me? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister? So I took her from my wife. Now then, here is your wife. Take her and go. And Pharaoh gave men orders concerning him, and they sent him away with his wife and all that he had. God still bailed him out. Let's just stop right now and just say, thank you, Lord, for your mercy. Let's just sit here for a minute and let's just say, Lord, thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. How you tolerate us, I have no idea. You are slow to anger. You are patient. You are kind. You are merciful. And thank you for that. And forgive us when we abuse it. And we know that when you say you're slow to anger, it doesn't mean that you never anger. But thank you for being slow to anger. I am living proof of that. So, God still brings him out of this difficult situation. What if Pharaoh had made her his wife? What what's gonna happen now? What what about the promise of a redeemer? You see how big this is? Well, see, then that plan's, that plan's now it's 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 Soiled, if that happens. We're not going to get a redeemer from Sari and Pharaoh. So sometimes when we don't let God rule, he will overrule and accomplishes his purpose anyway. Sometimes he'll just come in and make an executive order. I overrule you. You're trying to mess up my plan. I ain't going to let you do it. Let's be thankful for that. And um but, and here comes the, the but, we still pay dearly for our disobedience. Don't ever let me hear you say, don't ever hear me listen, hear me say that because God is so gracious and merciful, sin doesn't really I mean, really matter. That's what the Gnostics were trying to sell when John went crazy in his first epistle. That sin really didn't matter. I mean, ain't nothing you can do about it. And there's no way that God took on human flesh and was perfect. That just didn't happen. And remember John coming back and saying, hey, I was a first-hand witness. I put my hands on him. What they're telling you is wrong. He was the God-man. He was 100% God and 100% man, and he was perfect, and he did not sin, which is how we're redeemed. So we see in 13 that Abram is going to repent and leave Egypt. Now, Hang on to that. What is it in your life, what is it in my life that I need to repent of and leave? You ever had a a sin you just kept clinging to? You just couldn't let it go. And then God says, give me all of it. And you give him some of it. You may even give him most of it, but you just won't give him all of it. Repentance means that you turn and you leave all of it, not some of it. Remember First Peter. Remember how much we didn't like Peter saying that once we've been redeemed, we're now need to become obedient children, and we need to become through the process of sanctification holy in all of our conduct. And if we, if you read our commentary, it would say some of our con- conduct, not all of it. Still got some of conduct, conduct's not holy. But that's okay. I mean, it's not like I I mean we all I mean, come on. Some of y'all that are trying to go down this road of you know sanctification, you're just a bunch of holy rollers. You're 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 over the line, you're radical, it's unnecessary. See, that's from that's from the pits of hell. Abraham repented, and you know what it said he did? So Abram went up from Egypt. Don't don't miss up. Had to get up out of there the hole. That was the world. And he and his wife and all that he had and lot with him, they went back to Negev, which is they were not supposed to leave. They went back to where they came from. He went back, which we have to do, to where God had him. Listen to me, brothers. Listen to me, sisters. Sometimes when you mess up, repent and go back to where God had you. Go back to where you left and start over. He is the author of new beginnings. Anybody thankful for that? Amen. Be careful because sin always matters. Yes, Pharaoh let him go, even gave him gifts. But go on back over here. Look, look, remember I told you to underline it? Look at verse 16 of 12. Leave 13, get back over in 12. And for her sake, he dealt well with Abram, and he had sheep, oxen, male donkeys, male servants. And I told you to underline what? Female servants. Guess who one of those was? Hagar. Bringing something back with me. That, you know, Sarah, she gets her own servant named Hagar. Sin always matters. I don't know if y'all know this. We're still suffering the consequences of Hagar to this day. But that wouldn't have been an option if she was never there. But now she's there. So he did go back, but he took some repercussions of his sin back with him. That was Sarah's handmaid. Yet Abraham was forgiven, but everything that he brought from Egypt brought trouble. And Abraham did what we really need to do in verses 2 through 4. Look at this. Now, Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver, and in gold. And he journeyed on from the Negev as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Ai. Four, to the place where he had made an altar at the first. And there Abram called upon the name of the Lord. We went back to the altar. We you, you ever, I don't know why, uh, a lot of churches have stopped asking people if they want to come to the altar. I don't know why, since it seems to be all throughout Scripture. That's one of those things I guess we've decided. But um, Acts chapter 2, what are we supposed to do? Repent, then rise and come forward. Abram is repenting of his sin, so he comes to the altar, he returns to the altar. Why we deny people the opportunity to come forward to the altar and repent of their sins is beyond me. Uh, it, uh, it it doesn't seem to be uh, the precedent that was set. Uh, I'm certainly not standing in judgment of that. I'm not saying that people don't still come to repentance. I just don't understand why we have made that no longer mod. Because it, it, there's something about that, you know. There's something about that. There's something about that public response. There's something about, I want to follow Jesus. I want to repent. Jesus said, if you acknowledge me before men, I'll acknowledge you before the Father. If you will not acknowledge me before men, I will not acknowledge you before the Father. It seems awful important. But we see now, after he has returned to the the altar, that there's a change coming that's going to put him back into the will of God, and that is that he was supposed to have left his entire family. Still got Lot with him. God's going to resolve that. Verse 5. And Lot, who went with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents, so that the land could not support both of them dwelling together, for their possessions were so great they could not dwell together. Nothing wrong with things, nothing wrong with wealth. But sometimes you got so much stuff that you really can't even fellowship anymore. There's too much going on. And God said, you two together, it's just too much stuff. Do you realize what one of the booming businesses in America is now? Storage buildings. Am I the only one that feels so pitiful that I pay money every month for a building because I got so much stuff my house can't even hold it all? And most of the stuff I put in the storage building I never, ever go and use, ever. I can't tell you the number of times I'm like, give this stuff away. Well, you never know. We may need it. Have you ever had stuff just sit in a garage or a storage building for years? Why? What are we doing with it? And um, so God says, too much stuff together. Y'all can't dwell together. And why? Why? They were having trouble with their employees, weren't they? It said that there was so many, so much livestock, so much stuff, there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of, of Lot's livestock. At the time, the Canaanites and the Parasites were dwelling in the land. I'd hang on to that. Verse 8, then Abram said to Lot, Look, there, there be no strife between you and me and between your herdsmen and my herdsmen, for we are kinsmen. Is not the whole land before you. Hey, we got room. Spread out. Separate yourself from me. If you take the left hand, then I will go to the right. If you take the right hand, then I will go to the left. Big moment for Lot here. Abraham's really saying, you pick. I'll take whatever you don't pick. And we know this story, don't we? Verse 10, And Lot lifted his eyes and saw the Jordan Valley. Was well watered everywhere, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt. So what? What got Lot's eyes? Something that looked like Egypt, bondage, the world, but it was beautiful. And and then listen to this. It was in the direction of Zoar. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. That's a nice little note that Moses makes for us, isn't it? So Lot chose for himself all the Jordan Valley, and Lot journeyed east. Thus they separated from each other. Abram settled in the land of Canaan, which is going to be what? While Lot settled among the cities of the valley and moved his tent as far as Sodom. Moses lets us know in 13 by the way the men of Sodom were wicked great sinners against the Lord. But why would lot go there? It was fertile beautiful land. It was easy on the eyes. And he probably, this is just me speculating, which is okay as long as you say you're speculating, he probably knew that there were wicked people there, but he thought, well, it won't affect me. I know the Lord. I'm nephew of Abram. God's been good to us. I really won't be affected by the culture. Now, let me tell you something that I try to tell all my children, and some have done well and some have not. you got to decide right now whether you're going to influence the culture or is the culture going to influence you. So 2 Peter 2, 6-8 says that Lot was a righteous man, and that's how he feels about himself right now. Egypt changed him. Then Sodom destroyed his family. We never see, and this comes again from Weresby again, and I'd never thought of this. He said, you can search Scripture. Doesn't mean it didn't happen. He's just making the point that it's not in Scripture. You never see Lot building an altar to the Lord. Abram, we hear it multiple times. We never hear that of Lot. Maybe he did, but Scripture never documents it. Pharaoh, I'm sorry, Abraham was a friend of God. We see this, um, our brother James in James 2, 23 says that. said Abraham was a friend of God. But Lot was a friend of the world. And James 4, 4 tells us that we are not to be friends of the world. Lot was condemned, his family with the world, as Paul said, will happen to those who choose the world over over the Lord. In and, and 1 Corinthians eleven thirty two, 32, that means destruction. If you identify with the world, You will suffer what the world suffers, and you will die with it. Lot, unfortunately, made a decision, and he moved in the direction and was conformed to the world. Romans 12, 2 says not to be conformed to the world. And he paid dearly for that. Now, there's all kinds of discussions, and we'll get to it. Uh, You look at the writer of Hebrews. He seems to speak favorably of Lot, we think. What's the timeline? There's some there's some disagreement on Peter's talking about the way Lot was before he went to Sodom. Some are saying, well, the writer of Hebrews is clearly saying that, that, that when Lot left Sodom, that that was him getting back in, in good standing with the Lord. So let's take the best-case scenario. But even if Lot did enough when he finally left Sodom, he had taught his family to love Sodom, and they— Did not fare very well. The son-in-laws didn't believe him. They laughed at him. Why didn't they believe him? Dad, husband, you know why they didn't believe him? Because he lived his life like he loved Sodom. Where you get off telling us to leave now? Why did his wife look back yearning for Sodom? Because her husband taught her to love it. Why did the daughters act so depraved? Because they lived and were raised in Sodom. So will we see Lot? I, I'm not Lot's judge. I, I, I assume yes. I don't think I'm going to see his wife, and I don't think I'm going to see his son-in-laws, and I'm not so sure about the daughters because he chose the world. Which one do we choose? And I think one of the biggest mistakes that we, that we make I'm not going to be impacted by this. I mean, I know the Lord. I, I I know the gospel. I've been saved. I can go anywhere and be just fine. I hope you don't take that attitude and apply it to your life. It is amazing to me when uh, when I let myself drift a little bit and think that I've there's certain things I can handle now. Yeah, boy, it just doesn't take long, does it, when you start feeling that old flesh, getting a little jump start because of what you've exposed yourself to. And the, the thing I think we have to understand is whether you think you can handle it or not, I think we have to do what uh, what Scripture tells us to do, is we don't take the Holy Spirit into this mess. And we, y'all have heard me over the years, the things we've done here at the office. Somebody comes in and said they watched some movie or they went to some concert that's filthy. And it won't be long till somebody will say, "Well, how did Jesus like it since he got to go to? Did Jesus enjoy the movie? How did Jesus like Hangover? Did he was he thrilled with that?" And I mean, you know what? If somebody's honest, nice, what they say, I don't think he cared for it. Did it bother you though? Did you come under conviction? Because I've, I've done things I shouldn't have done, and. And, and and let let my eyes stay on things on TV or whatever that it shouldn't stay. And I come into conviction, and I and 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 I remove myself from it. I should have never been there. But what I'm saying is I can't stay comfortable there, not because of me, but because of the spirit. Now if I don't feed the spirit, and I knock it out of gear, and all I do is feed the flesh, then the flesh gonna win that battle. I can't wait, till that flesh is completely done away with. How about y'all? That glorification is going to be. Whew, that's going to feel better, isn't it? So, God will still try to help Lot. We know that, don't you? There's that mercy again. Remember, we know this is coming. I mean, God does send the angels in there to try to help him. Still trying to help him. And uh, and He would discipline him, but He's still willing to be merciful. We should listen to the Lord. Because when he rebukes us, he's usually just trying to get our attention. And if we don't listen to the first rebuke, and I've said this once, I'm going to say it again, he's still going to try. But the plan he goes to next is usually extremely painful. It's usually extremely painful. Verse 14. The Lord said to Abram after Lot had separated from him, Lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are northward and southward and eastward and westward. For all the land that you see I will give to you and to your offspring forever. I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth so that if one can count the dust of the earth, your offspring also can be counted. Verse 17, Arise through the length of and the breadeth of the land, for I will give it to you. So Abram moved his tent and came and settled by the oaks of Mamre, which are at Hebron, and there he built an altar to the Lord. Two different guys. Two different guys. Which one are you more like? Things of the world look good; they're pleasing to the eye. Think I'm going to be drawn there? You know that? You know that's wicked. Yeah, I know it's wicked, but it probably won't affect me. I, I've actually heard men say that to me, and I used to be that way, so I understand it. Hey, man, I don't, I don't know about some form of entertainment, some sort of a arrangement, some thing, and I've literally heard men say. No, 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 you're right. I mean, that's wrong. That that's not, but I can handle I when I when I do those things, it don't really bother me. And you know what I've learned to say if I love them? But it should. But it should. It may not bother your flesh, but it ought to bother your spirit. You know? And Abram looks around and is told that he's going to be given all this land. You know what I love about this moment? This is the same cat that just lied about his wife and went into Egypt and caused all that trouble. And you know what God says? Just get back to where I had you. Repent of this sin. Abram does not alter, Then he does not alter again after he hears this from God. And here is God still telling Abram, who made all these mistakes, do you realize this wife? that he has made the mistake with is still barren and the lord just told him that his offspring would be impossible to count he's he's in his late 70s she's barren when this process starts and she's still barren and he's getting older and he goes and he builds an altar to the lord while lot makes his way to sodom I've told you this, guys, before, and I remember it in my own life, and praise God he was merciful to me too. Well, you have those moments where it's to the land that the Lord wants you to be in, God's will, are to turn and go to Sodom and turn your back on God and please your flesh. I've been there. I mean, I, I literally remember having these decisions put before me throughout my life. And finally, thankfully, I actually went into God's will. But I can remember, I mean, literally sitting, I think I told you guys this. If not, I don't know if I did the Bible study, but I know I've told some of you individually, literally, literally sitting at a red light. And to turn right is to be in God's will, or at least head in the right direction. But to go left is to go towards Sodom. I mean, it's not literally Sodom, but it really was sin. Turn you back on the sin and go this way, and and the Lord's merciful pleading and pulling on me was going turn right. And so many times I turned left because I just wasn't convinced that He was better than sin. See, I was familiar with sin, so I knew what that was going to be like. I wasn't familiar enough with God to know what he was really like. So I think the key then is to get to know God so that you realize how much better he is than sin. And then you get to where now, unfortunately, the late Steve Farrar said, who's standing in the presence of the Lord that he served, just do the next right thing. Don't get overwhelmed Don't we'll start taking too far ahead. Just like when you leave his Bible study today, just go do the next right thing, whatever it is. Go make the next right decision. And before you know it, you stack a lot of them up. Which one are we? Are we more like Lot? And remember today when I'm saying are we more like Abram, it's not like Abram didn't mess up. I'm not giving you a perfect example today. You know, it goes back to what I thought was a nice sentiment, but not real theologically sound, the what would Jesus do movement. Now, what that should have said, but it's not as good, and it's harder to get it on T-shirts. What would Jesus have me do? Because now, if there's anybody here perfect, I'd like to talk to you after it's over. Because that's what Jesus does. Jesus does everything perfectly. We don't have that ability to do it perfectly, but we do have the call that Jesus has placed on our life. What would Jesus have me do? Because we have we have the original sin. So what would Jesus have me do? And in this case, if we're repentant, no matter how bad we messed up, he is willing to forgive us. Earthly repercussions? Yes. Redemption, though? Yes. Reconciliation? Yes. We all have these decisions to make, so what is yours? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for this very clear picture. And help us, Lord, to understand what you're teaching us. I don't know the situation with every man in this room. I don't know the situation with every man or woman or that may be watching or listening. But I pray right now, Lord, that your Holy Spirit convict us and draw us to you. May we take away today, if we don't take away anything else, to be in your will in a famine, is better to be out of your will in a palace. And maybe some of us need to say, look, just like Abram said, I'm sorry. You just need to go to the altar of the Lord and say, I'm sorry, forgive me. I know that you love me. So teach me to love you. Help me, Lord, to get drawn nearer to you. Because to know you is to love you, and to love you is to obey you. And to obey you is to know that you are better than sin. Just forgive me, Lord. You know, if you've prayed something like that and, and and you want the Lord to forgive you and you've left faith in yourself and you want to come under the authority of our Lord and Savior Jesus, just let me know, uh, rick at rickandbubba.com, rick at com. If you need me to help you on what to do next, and so many of you have, I'm more than willing to do so. Lord, thank you for today. In your name we pray, amen. Thanks, guys, for being here, and thank you all for being with us.